Hi, everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school. I've been a youth minister. I have a master's in theology. But the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I've not yet met in person, but is a match from Podmatch. He's an award-winning professor of biblical studies at Asbury Theological Seminary, a transformational coach for pastors and spiritually minded professionals. He's also an ordained minister and author, and his latest book is Astonished by the Word, Reading Scripture for Deep Transformation. It's Brian Russell. Welcome, Brian. Thank you, Julie. It's so great to be here with you and your audience today. Why don't you share a little bit more about uh, yourself with the listeners, where you're from, some of your background? Yeah, I grew up in uh, Northeast Ohio in, in Akron, and I grew up in the United Methodist uh, Church. I began uh, following Jesus at a very young age. My parents started going to church when I was five, and I've always been interested in the faith. I had a fairly powerful conversion when I was a 10th grader, when I had a lot of questions, and I essentially came to a deeper faith by reading the Bible, and that desire to know God through the scriptures has led me to ultimately to sense a calling from God to be a pastor, and I've been a pastor of a couple of churches over the years, and uh, when I went to seminary, I was a good student, and encouraged to get a PhD. And so I've ultimately, for the last 24 years now, been a professor of biblical studies at Asbury Theological Seminary, uh, which is a Protestant denomination. We have different campuses, but we're main campuses in Kentucky. And my specialty is in Old Testament and in teaching people, uh, teaching pastors how to interpret scripture uh, and my again, and uh, far as parts of the Bible that I really love the most, I would say Exodus, Psalms in the Old Testament, and the Book of Matthew and Philippians. And I've had the privilege of uh, teaching those courses to uh, well over a thousand students at uh, at this point, and just always want to help people to dig into the scriptures because uh, I. They've given me life, and I've been reading the Bible now. I'm 54, so it's been I've had like a 40 year plus 40 plus year relationship with it, mm-hmm. and it uh, I haven't gotten tired of it yet. It still feeds my soul. Mm, that's so well said. We have a lot in common. I'm also obviously from Northeast Ohio. We were talking a little bit before I hit record. How long were you in Northeast Ohio? Like, when did you move? Yeah, I, I was there all the way through uh, uh, graduating from college. I went to the University of Akron and stayed. That was my hometown university. So first 22 years. And uh, then I moved away to go to seminary. And I uh, went to did my master's degree at one seminary, my PhD at another. And then I was fortunate enough to get a teaching position uh, at, at Asbury. And I I've, I serve on the Orlando campus down in Florida. So I've had to... Uh, uh, suffer for Jesus living in Florida after growing up in the frozen, uh, frozen Ohio. So I've been here for like 20, it's 24 years now. Yeah, I went to, um, I was, I grew up in Ohio and then went to uh, undergrad at Catholic University in Washington, D.C. And I haven't really returned other than for the holidays, which is why I'm here now recording. Um, but yeah, I, I, same thing. My parents are like, why don't you want to move back? And I'm like, it's cold up there, y'all. Like Virginia, we have seasons, we have you know, summer and it's just, it's just so cold. I don't know if your parents, do they give you a hard time as well? 
Um, I, I think not really. They know I pursued my dream. Obviously, they miss me, and I'm missing them more as they're getting up. They're almost 80 years mm-hmm. old, both of them now. But uh, uh, but they've they've always uh, well, they've actually enjoyed visiting me in Florida. I have to say, over the years. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I know. I I wish I could get my parents on board with coming down to Virginia more. I bet they love visiting you down there. <laughs> um, well, I'm also excited that you um some of the books that you mentioned that you have taught classes about really interest me. I teach mostly Old Testament as well, but at different levels. With with, with um, you know, students, my students are much younger. Um, but I'm excited to talk about this verse with you. You've chosen Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. And so I'm going to have you read that verse for us, and then we'll start chatting about it. Okay, sounds great. I'm gonna, And this is the first half of the psalm. It's a short psalm that introduces the, the whole book of Psalms. And I'm going to read it out of the New Revised uh, Standard Version. And it reads, um, Happier those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all that they do they prosper. Okay. I'm interested to get your take on this psalm. We can give a little bit of background. We've talked about some psalms over the past few seasons of my podcast, um, but just a quick recap for those maybe are tuning in. They were written for worship, and some have been attributed to King David, who was a musician, and many are meant to be poems that are sung. Um, They cover a range of emotions. Some are praising God, some are lamenting, some start off one way and then move to another emotion. Um, And this, but this first Psalm, and I'd love to hear your take on it, to me reads more like a proverb and kind of more of what we've come to know that is attributed to King Solomon and like other wisdom books. Um, So this Psalm to me reads a little bit different than some of the other more kind of song-like psalms that we are used to. Um, So I don't know if you wanted to comment on any of that. Yeah, and I think that was a really great introduction. And in um, my opinion, it's not just my opinion, I think um, I would say that Psalm 1 was probably written intentionally to be the introduction to the whole psalms, the whole Mm -hmm. psalms. And so I think, and it reads, like you said, like a proverb or like a more of a wisdom tradition. And And it sets up some themes that show up in the rest of the book, especially kind of the dichotomy between the righteous and the wicked that runs through the whole book of Psalms. And I think the, um, and this, and I'll get a little bit deeper into this, but um, just in the first three verses, which is why I picked it, there's quotations or, or allusions to a whole bunch of other parts of the Old Testament. So I think the Psalm sort of sets us up to read the Psalms as the word of God, as, as scripture itself. Um, and so they become like the song, they were songs written for worship and somehow the songs written for worship become the word of God for us today. And I think Psalm one helps us to, uh, to read it that way. Mm-hmm. And that is that kind of why you chose this is because it kind of sets us up or do you have other kind of personal connection to the Psalm? Why did you choose this verse? Yeah. Well, a, a, a couple things. I mean, I, it's the, the most problematic thing is I looked at the list and I was trying to look at my favorite text and a lot of them, it, it, you'd already had a guest on there. So I was thinking, uh. like, you know, and, and I do love the Psalms and like, so this Psalm is actually one of my very favorites. Um, I've just learned a lot. I, I love the image of the tree uh, that mm-hmm. that shows up. Um, I like the optimism of the psalm, but also, which which I hope we'll, I'll be able to talk about for a few minutes. Uh, underneath the kind of obvious optimism, there is 
a sense of the harshness of life if you if we just kind of squeeze it and get a little bit underneath some of the happy language that shows up and and also is just as a person that loves the Bible I really like verse two uh, or especially the phrase where it says their delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law they meditate day and night and I like that idea of delight this isn't a psalm that's just saying read the Bible more it's it, it's also talking about um, cultivating an inner delight in God's word. And um, yeah. And, you know, in a sense that I, you mentioned, I just wrote a book and this isn't why I was trying to get on to talk about Psalm one, but that idea of delight, that's where kind of the backdrop for even that word astonished that I put in the title. It's like, we want to kind of be astonished by the word and cultivate that attitude as a precursor for actually digging in even deeper into the word itself. Mm, yeah, that verse two and three also stand out to me. Um, we had talked before I hit record about some of your spiritual background and we talked about practices and centering prayer, you said, was a really big one for you. So that idea of meditating day and night, I feel like that might connect to that practice. I don't know if you wanted to, if you would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I think it does. I mean, in, in a sense, the meditate part, it, it's it's an intentional commitment. Um Eugene Peterson, who was a he was a Protestant pastor. He has a um, image he loves to use with the with the meditate because um, the the word in Hebrew it's it's like the person is like um, sometimes when we think of meditate it's 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 simply inward. In this in this case, it's um, it's almost like the person is kind of saying the scripture over and over again inside their mm-hmm. head. And Eugene Peterson has this great image of he says like when you give a dog a bone. And you just hear it enjoying the bone because um, it's like mm. it's like a, you know that, that growl like kind of kind growling because there's another place in the Old Testament I don't have the reference but it's the same Hebrew word it's underneath meditate where it's talking about a a lion growling so there's some oral component here too so this is definitely like a invitation to some deep contemplation and focus on the word. I like that image of just like kind of gnawing on a bone, like maybe we just like kind of ruminating on a scripture. And I feel like when I do try centering prayer for me, trying to repeat like a phrase or call an image to mind or focus, there there is that kind of just that repetition. But yeah, I want to I want to give you free reign to talk about this verse. You are a scripture scholar. So um, what else would you like to draw our attention to? What would you like to point out to us about this psalm? Yeah. The, well, the one thing I wanted to say is um, like the word that starts off with the word happy. Um, mm-hmm. This is the same. Well, this this is uh, sometimes the some translations will have blessed. Um, again, I don't know what the, our reader or listeners uh, version has there, but um, it is happy. It's the idea that this psalm is describing persons who are in the state of having been blessed by God. And so what, what does that, the psalm tells us what it looks like? And also, you know, my translation said happy are those. It's um, made kind of a plural. It's actually written with an with an individual. So it could be like mm-hmm. happy is he or happy is she. So it's actually a psalm that's instructing us as individuals how to make our way through the world. And verse 1 has three verbs in there. Again, depends on the translation, but the verbs are it's walk, um, stand or sit. Again, my translation was a little um, interpretive there, but it's like, don't walk in the uh, pathway of the wicked, stand. 
in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. And if you think about it, walking, standing, sitting, those are your three options when you're awake. And so this is a psalm that kind of gives us the totality of life. Another cool thing I like about this psalm is the first letter of the word happy in Hebrew is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Mm. Um, We're not going all the way to verse six, but if we did, the last word in Hebrew starts with the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's another, again, like this psalm is trying to give this comprehensive picture of life, yet it makes it really simple for us or to avoid the habits and models of people whose lives don't match up with the life that God's called us to and says, what's the antidote to that? And it gives us this picture of a, of a piety that's rooted in uh, the scriptures. And, you know, you already mentioned the verse meditate on his law day and night. Now, um, you know, this isn't just, if you want to be a Christian, read the Bible more, but it's actually, it models it itself. And, 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 that second half of verse two, if um, if readers want to look, they can open up to Joshua 1.8. Mm-hmm. That's where God speaks to Joshua, and it's an exact quotation. And so when Psalm 1 is saying meditate on the word, um, in, in, which is, means really chewing over and over again on scripture, he's the psalmist is actually modeling what that looks like because the psalm itself ends up being a compilation. So like Joshua 1.8 is that second part of verse 2. They are like trees planted by streams of water. That's lifted directly from Jeremiah 17.8. Fruit in season, leaves don't wither. That's Ezekiel 47.12. And all that they do, they prosper. That's Genesis 39.2. Those are either direct quotations or very close to being direct quotations, which, um, you know, use the phrase at the beginning of the podcast, you said, we're, you know, we're walking and talking. Um, <laughs> um, I actually call, I, when I teach the Psalm, I call it walking the walk or let's mm. see, walking the walk, talking the talk, because the Psalm, Psalmist is saying, study the scriptures. And then the Psalmist models what that looks like in life that the Psalmist can't even write his own Psalm or her own Psalm without actually talking back with us some scripture. So th- those are just a couple of things that jump out of, but I don't want to just keep talking here. So uh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you said some great things and I, yeah, I would encourage, I love using my footnotes. And so some of the verses that you referenced are footnotes in my translation as well. You mentioned the verbs I had and like the, that you had a plural version of like a, of, of like a group of people. Whereas I have an individual, I have happy, the man and my, my verbs are follows not and walks in the way and sits in the company. Um, so I have follows walks and sits. So I just, I love, and I love how you mentioned too, like, and I know other Psalms do this as well, that they follow the Hebrew alphabet. And when you know Hebrew and when you kind of focus on the, the words, the, the intention of the words that the translation uses, I just feel like it gives it so much more life. But I think in English, you know, we just kind of read it or we we just try to quickly apply scripture often to our own personal lives, which is great. Um, and we should apply it to our personal life. But like, I love getting into like the, the nitty gritty and like the, the background and, and just the translation and the, and the very intentional words. I don't know if you wanted to respond to that. No, no, I think that's right. And, you know, and what I always just suggest to folks, um, you know, read whatever version of the Bible 
you'll actually read because there's so many different versions that are available to us today. But when you get really get down to it and you want to do careful study, it's it's helpful to get two or three different translations that come from maybe even different traditions because mm-hmm. every every translation has you know has its own biases by the mm-hmm. translators and so if you can just lay a few side by side you can look essentially you know most translations are going to roughly say the same thing but what you want to look for then are the places where there's real differences and that gives mm-hmm. you a jumping off place to do a little deeper study in there even if you never have the chance to learn you know Hebrew or Greek for the New Testament yeah, I totally agree. Just like when you were talk, pointing out those verbs, like I mentioned, like I was like, ooh, mine says follows. And that can lead me to a whole thing about then my relation. It can lead to my personal reflection on my relationship with God, whether I'm walking or I'm following or, you know, so I, I think I agree. Like it, if you look at these multiple translations, it's super nerdy, but it can be very helpful and very spiritually gratifying. Um, anything else? What else would you like to say about this uh, this psalm or or? respond to any of that. Yeah. And, and I think the, the the one thing I would like to say, and this is where the some of the quotations come, I think are important because you get that, um, that last line in verse three, where it says, and everything they do, they prosper, you know, and all of us at some level would love to just be a tree. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if we want to be a tree, but I mean, be a, have a life where everything prospers and, you know, the mm-hmm. illusion or the, the analogy is a tree that always has fruit, never mm-hmm. has a bad season. And then, you know, most of us think like, well, Jesus, is that really how life is? Mm-hmm. But um, when you look under the surface, though, the quotations that the psalmist has decided to use, and I'm especially talking about the ones in verse three, um, like when you look at Jeremiah 17, eight, that's in a, a, a a challenging uh, context for the for the Israelites, and, and it talks, you know, because Jeremiah is preaching in a difficult time. The Ezekiel text, chapter forty-seven, the last few chapters of Ezekiel is about the restoration of God's people after they were in exile in Babylon. Mm-hmm. And so it's, um, you know, so this psalm isn't assuming that everything always goes right. Um, and even that phrase and all that they do, they prosper. I, I suggested that that's a quotation from Genesis 39, which and I think it is. That's the story of Joseph in chapter 39. And if the listeners remember, Joseph um, gets sold into slavery by his brothers and in chapter 39, it says he pro- it says that all that he does prospers. He does, says it twice in verse 2 and then at the end of the chapter. And that's the chapter where, you know, he's a slave first in Potiphar's house. And it says that he prospered everything he does. And, you know, and I don't know about the listeners, but um, I prefer not to be a slave. And that I wouldn't consider that be prosperous. And then if you remember the story, um, he refuses to be seduced by his master's wife and instead of being praised, he gets thrown into jail. And then it says again, he prospered while he was in jail. And so this psalm isn't just this Pollyannish view of like, oh, a life mm-hmm. that's always where everything turns to gold or it's, you know, it's all rainbows and unicorns as the cliche goes. But instead, it's actually recognizing that scripture gives us fuel so that over the long course of life, we can prosper in the sense that we can do the mission that God has given each one of us, Mm. Um, you know? And so 
that would be the one thing I'd like to, to, to pull out. And there's a tree down here in, in well, lots of trees in Florida, but there's mm-hmm. a, a tree I found during COVID. And it, and to me, I think I always call it the Psalm one tree now, but there's a type of tree it grows in Florida. It's called a live Oak. And this tree, um, fell over during a storm at some point. As far as I can tell, it's been over for at least 15 years. And when I first saw it, all I saw was this giant stump, like it had come out of the ground and fallen. So the tree is now completely horizontal. That's not the, you know, your prosperous tree position. It's literally been uprooted and it's laying there. But remarkably, um, this live oak tree had enough roots that were still in the ground that even though the entire trunk, and this is a huge tree, like huge, like a hundred foot tall tree, um, it lay sideways and it rerooted off the trunk and a new li- a new trunk grew out of the old trunk. So now it's horizontal, the old part, and the tree started growing vertical again. And to me, that's what this Psalm teaches us. If we take a steady diet of scripture in, God can see us through whatever happens in our lives. And, you know, and if we read the rest of the Psalms, that's exactly what the Psalms are going to be about. As you already said in the intro, you get all of the different emotions, all of the challenges, and, you know, and then the Psalms are going to end. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord in Psalm 150. So, you know, that, that's why I really mm-hmm. love this Psalm because that tree image is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I do, I feel like the Psalms, especially the ones like this and and other ones that they start maybe with one emotion, like they're lamenting and they're like kind of, you know, talking about how terrible things are going, but then, but in all of this, I'm going to praise the Lord, but give thanks to God. I feel like that's real. You know, a lot of us will start off our prayer, you know, bemoaning something or saying, God, please help me with this. But then hopefully in the midst of our prayer, we're coming to some sort of peace. So I just, I love how, even though this was written, as you mentioned even though these Psalms are attributed to like patriarchs before the Psalms are probably written, like, like you mentioned, there's no way that this could be written before the Babylonian exile because it references like Jeremiah and Ezekiel um, in it. It was probably, it was written during this time after the exile where culture was flourishing and the Jewish people were, were putting to words and, and you were reminiscing about that time and, um, and the culture was really flourishing. But um but yeah, I don't even remember where I was going with all of that. But <laughs> I just, I really do love how the Psalms still serve us today, even though they were, and that, that humanity is, for better or for worse, still very the same, <laughs> you know? No, it's good. It's good. And uh, yeah, and then and then one of the things I like to do with all the texts, and uh, this is one of my favorite quotations from Augustine, who's one of the great uh, early church leaders. He, he, he has a, a line in one of his books. It's called his books on Christian teaching or on Christian doctrine, depending on how it gets translated. But he says, you haven't understood a text until you can teach what it has to say about what he calls the double love of God and neighbor. So that back to mm-hmm. Jesus's great commandments and stuff. And so it's like, I always like to ask, how does this, how does this text teach me to love God? How does this text teach me to love neighbor? And, and I, you know, and this, this text is really just inviting us to love God by delighting in the gifts word that he's given us, uh, you know, and ultimately that points us to Jesus who is the, um, ultimate example of the obedient one who's the happy one that this psalm probably talks about. Mm-hmm. Right, because all of our, all, all this Old Testament is meant to point us towards Christ. And you mentioned Joseph earlier in the Old Testament, um, who is a figure that certainly pre- 
prefigures and foreshadows Jesus and um, that idea of like, even he went through this, as you mentioned, like this, the suffering, but then new life was able to be brought from it. He was able to save his brothers from the famine and he was raised to power um, in his situation that started off dire. And and that is also the human experience and the, the Christ, um, the, the Paschal mystery, right? Like that there's the suffering, but then new life comes from it. And so I love that image of the tree that you mentioned too, because that tree had died or had been you know, depleted and then new life sprung from it. And I just feel like all of those images are such also give us great things to think about. And it invites us just to think as we're reading this, like how, how, how well of a, what kind of a root system are we developing Mm. and do we have our roots in the waters that God's given us the, you know, the means of grace, the sacraments, the scriptures, the things that give us life as Christians. Mm Mm-hmm. And since we were talking about like how to meditate on the yeah. scriptures day and night and a little bit about centering a prayer, like how would you recommend um, we pray with a psalm like this or pray with scripture? Do you have any tips for us on how to pray with scripture and meditate yeah. on it? Yeah, I really do. I mean, like I use uh, like with scripture specifically um, for meditations directly on scripture, I, I use a, 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 a contemplative technique that is it's called Lectio Divina. Um, and, and basically just, it's four easy steps. I mean, it's not so easy. They're easy to explain. You got to sit there and do it and you can do this Mm -hmm. for varying lengths. And, and like, I like to sit in silence with centering prayer for like, you know, before I study a text. So maybe five minutes up to 20 minutes, just literally sitting in silence. And then I like to open up the word in the, basically the four movements of really meditating on the word would be actually reading the word. So just you know, prayerfully read through the text multiple times, maybe read a couple different translations if you have them. And, and like, what I like to just say is like, you know, you know, God astonish me. Uh, what's here? What do you have for me? And I just allow the text then to, uh, or God to the spirit to kind of guide me to some part of the text. And then just kind of, then I move from the reading to the second step and, Lectio is, is meditation, and that idea is that I'm really going to chew on that part of the text. I'm going to see how it maybe connects with what I other parts of the Bible that I know, theology, different things that God's done in my life. So I'm, what I'm trying to do in, with, in those steps is essentially I'm trying to interpret the word and, or, in a sense, breathe it in. And then I think if we're going to pray the word back, we, we always pray, I think, in two ways, ultimately. First of all, we pray it back to God, and that's the third stage of, of Lectio Divina. It's just it's the praise, the oration back to God. And so I'm going to pray back to God um, this text. Maybe I'm going to ask God in this case, Lord, help me to delight in your word or help me to grow a root system so that I can flourish in a way that brings others to you. And then the last stage of prayer is, um, or of Lectio is going to be the, what's known as the contemplation side. And I like to connect that with, again, how does this text want me to show up in the world? And so I'm going to pray to God, literally praise God in that first step. And then the second step, I'm going to pray to God by using my hands, feet, mouthpieces, mind, heart, to live this text out in the world. And so that, that's, that's how I would mm-hmm. kind of do a meditation on a text. Mm. Yeah. I, I love Lexio as well. Um, I pray it. I, we do it sometimes like a kind of an abbreviated version with my students sometimes that's good. Um, where we'll, we'll 
read the verse a couple times. We'll talk about what stands out to us. And then we end with everybody after a third time picking out like a word or a phrase that stands out to them. And like, I kind of encourage them to think about that word or that phrase, because it's hard to remember the whole verse, but like to take that word with them um, for the week or for the day or whatever. And it's just always so interesting to hear what different people, what stands out to different people, you know, from the the passage. Um, so I love sharing. Lexio is great for personal, as you mentioned, kind of individual prayer, but then I think also can be used communally as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's really, and yeah, thanks for saying that too, because I didn't want to limit it just to an individual's. It's really mm-hmm. powerful when you can do it in a group and hear the the ways that God is speaking through to your brothers and sisters. And a lot of times it just those different ideas come together and you just have a beautiful, you know, quilt or tapestry that be with, with everybody's, uh, ideas and words that the spirit's given them. And so, yeah, it's a lot of fun to do in, in groups and centering prayer is even easier when you do it with other people too, because you have that kind of positive, uh, uh, loving, I think human energy all there together to hold together mm-hmm. and, 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 and sit in silence before the God that loves us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of why I do this podcast too. Like I love, I could do this verse with other people and, and have a different kind of conversation. Um, but I just, yeah, I, I, that's one of the reasons why I love seeing what different people get from, from the scriptures. And sometimes I don't know where we're going to go because as you know, I don't do a whole lot of prep beforehand. I kind of just see where the spirit leads. Um, but it's always so interesting to me what people get from the scriptures they choose. Any last words about this verse? And then I'll give you some time to plug projects and where we can find information about you. Yeah, no, I would just say that um, that if, if if folks want to keep on reading the Psalms after this, uh, what's really cool is just kind of track through and notice that if you keep going, you're going to see more of the righteous and the wicked, and there's going to be a whole bunch of Psalms that start off with that happy uh, phrase mm-hmm. too. So this this Psalm introduces us to some uh, elements, and it's uh, also interesting that immediately when as soon as we get to verse or, or Psalm three, that it's um, it's the laments like you were talking and it goes mm-hmm. from, you know, this kind of happy Psalm and then verse uh, Psalm three starts out, Lord, how many are my foes? Uh, and you just get these, this back and forth all the way through, but then Psalm 146 to 150 end up with a kind of constant perpetual praise of, of God and celebration of God's victory. And so this is a Psalm that can help that it, it teaches us. How is it that we, as individuals can make it through the world and that and God, and this reminds us of God's gift of the scriptures that we have to guide us. Mm-hmm. That's so well said. Yeah. I, I do love the Psalms that like I mentioned earlier that kind of start off a little bit complaining, a little whiny, and then they come around and they're like, but in all things, I will praise you God. So thank you for sharing this with us and uh, giving us some more information about the Psalm and how to pray with it. Um, I would love for you to give us some information about where we can find out more about you and the projects that you got going on. Yeah. Well, thank you. And again, thanks everybody for, uh, for listening. Um, if you're interested in some of the things I've said, I, I have a kind of a one, a side, a one-stop shop on, on the web. You can go to brianrussellphd.com. Um, you can see you find the different books that I've, I've written on scripture uh, uh, and contemplative practices. Uh, you can find links to a podcast. I have um, a blog. You know, you've mentioned Centering Prayer a couple of times, uh, Julia. If, if folks would like to come to a monthly, completely free Centering Prayer gathering that I co-host with another friend of mine, uh, you can sign up for that at centeringprayerbook.com. It gets you updates on Centering Prayer from, from me. And we usually gather on the third Saturday of most months at noon. But I'll, if you sign up for the emails, you'll get the 
some information on Centering Prayer, and you'll get an invitation to when we do it. If um, Yeah, but it's usually the third Saturday of the month at noon Eastern, I should say, Eastern time. Is that like a like a Zoom or an online? Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, cool. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's Zoom. And so, yeah, we have people that come sometimes from all over the world. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. And yes, yeah, so it's virtual. And we do a little teaching on Centering Prayer, do a sit together, and then we have Q&A and discussion at the end. And it's a lot of fun. That's cool to do that. I mean, that is one of the things that was, I think, good about the pandemic. It kind of got us to think a little bit outside and made our communities a little bit bigger. Were you doing that even before the pandemic? Um, no, my no. I was writing the book when the pandemic came out, and uh, uh, it, so uh, this was a, kind of a uh, something that came out of the book. And I on my podcast, the guy that I co-host with, he had a book on centering prayer, and I interviewed him. We became friends, and we wanted to work together. So we you know we use uh, we use uh, we use Zoom, and so it's been a, a real blessing. That's awesome. Well, if you'd like to find out more about this podcast, I'm on Instagram at 7 Mile Chats, all spelled out. You can message me. If you'd like to be a guest, you can reach me there. You can also find me on X, which used to be Twitter, and I'm at Struckley one there. And I tweet, I still, I still say tweet, about what's going on in my classroom as a Catholic educator. And I tweet about yeah things that we're doing in my classroom. Um, so you can find me at Struckley one um, M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1 there on X. Uh, but Brian, thank you so much for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. No, you're welcome. Thank you. And it's been a real uh, privilege to have a conversation with you. Bye, everyone. Bye.